O grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, once again uh, today, I want to talk to you about the Apostle John. I think probably for many of us, he's maybe one of our most favorite disciples, isn't he? And yeah, we kind of have his history in the back of our, our mind, but you know, still, I think it's useful to be reminded once again about this apostle. I think first and foremost, we, we notice that you know, this is the fellow that had a special relationship with Jesus. Now, throughout the Old Testament, there's only twice where, where it says, you know, that like, you know, Jesus loved that person. But, you know, he, he was loved by Jesus. And the Apostle John, of course, is one of those two people. And un unfortunately, the, the other person that Jesus looked upon and, and felt that kind of, you know, love in his heart was a, a man who couldn't follow for whatever reasons. A man that, you know, gave his confession, he said, you know, Lord, since my youth, I have observed these commands. And Jesus, of course, being able to look into his soul and into his thoughts, you know, he could see this man was telling the truth. And, and yet we're told that man went away sad. Jesus, no doubt, would have wanted this man to be a follower, telling him, go and sell the things you have and come and follow me. You will have treasures in heaven. And that man, he, he missed the opportunity. We're told he went away sad because he had great possessions. He couldn't envision himself selling everything and following Jesus, even though he had a sterling character, even though our Lord and Savior could look into his heart and find that he was telling the truth, that he was not sinning. And still, that man failed. But the Apostle John, he followed after Jesus. The Apostle John, he was there day in and day out. He was the, the sort of a traveling companion that you, you wanted to have along. But he didn't complain when things got tough. He was there to, to lift other people up during hard times. He was there to make things go easier. He was there to you know, take care of the Lord even at times. To make sure arrangements were made to take the power that Jesus had given him out into the world and heal countless people that were not even made aware of in the scriptures. And he used that gift gratefully. He used it to the best of his ability. Can you imagine such a gift? The Lord himself giving you power over unclean spirits. The Lord himself giving you power to heal infirmities and sicknesses and disease. And with that power, you, you go out gratefully doing the Lord's work. You go from village to village, laying your hands on people. They're, they're healed. They recover. Things are 
wonderful. Dear friends, as our Lord and Savior hung upon the cross, it was the Apostle John, the only apostle present at the crucifixion. We're told everyone else was afraid. They were hiding. They were afraid of the Roman soldiers. They're afraid of the Jewish people. What might happen to us? And and John, he just shrugged it off and he said, I'm going to be there. And, And there he was. As our Lord and Savior hung upon the cross, suffering the great agonies of his death, he could look out and see one person. He could know he had made a difference in one person's life. He could understand there was one that was still loyal to him. Sure, the Apostle Peter bragged about how, you know, if anything bad happens, oh, I will be there, you know. Oh, Lord, if you go into the courts, I'm going to be there. Oh, if you get crucified, I'll be right there with you, Lord. But we know that Peter failed, didn't he? Before the cop crows three times, Peter, you will deny me. Apostle Peter, he failed, even though he was the rock upon which this church would be built. His confession, you remember that confession? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, you know, Peter, upon this rock, I will build the church. But John didn't fail. Our Lord and Savior upon the cross, he he looks upon John, a man of sterling character, a man who hasn't failed him yet. And he says, John, take care of my mom. Mom, here's your son. We're told from that very hour, John took Mary into his own home and he cared for her the rest of his days. That was the Apostle John. We know from extra biblical writing that John ran into trouble toward the end of his life. In fact, as a a great torture, we're told that they put him in a vat of boiling oil. And of course, he, he was severely crippled by that. Now, most people, you know, if a certain percentage of their skin is burned away, they simply die from the injuries, and and somehow John's life was preserved, but he was terribly scarred and and crippled from that event. And yet as a a beloved member of the the Christian church, one of those, you know, original disciples, you know, churches would like to invite him from time to time to to be able to come, to to be able to preach, yes, in, in his younger days, But as an an old and and scarred and and crippled individual, still they they wanted him to be present among them. An original eyewitness. And we're told that in his last days that they'd bring him into the the church on a stretcher and he'd maybe be able to just lift his head up a, a little bit and he'd say maybe just a few words. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. 
that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. And maybe that's all he could say that day. His strength was failing. He was terribly injured. Maybe those were the only words that he could give. But dear friends, those are the most important words, aren't they? To be able to hear the words spoken from this man whom others perhaps in the community would say, well, God must have abandoned him. Look at how he was tortured. Look at how terribly crippled he is. And yet you and and I and Christians down through the generations could come to understand that the world doesn't love us, does it? Because the world didn't love Jesus. But yet we are God's children. Not just his servants. And not, not just his slaves. No, certainly. But the Apostle John, he comes in his epistle for today. He tells us we are God's children. Sons and daughters. We belong to him. And again, not not just as slaves, although, you know, we could, could say as wonderful as God is, if he purchased us, they would say he's a pretty good master, right? They would say, you know, God takes care of his slaves. And we could say, I'm one of God's slaves, and and that's all right. Because God takes care of me. But you know what, it's not even that, is it? And it, it could be kind of that next level. Well, I'm one of God's servants. Sometimes we describe ourselves that way, don't we? Say, I work for the best employer ever. Now, God gives me a great 401k plan. I am his servant. He is a really great boss. He gives me time off whenever I ask for it. And whatever else we might say. But you know what? It even goes beyond that, doesn't it? Because God calls us his children. And that is what we are. You know, a servant might get fired, right? There might come a day when the boss just says, I've had it with you, that's it, you're out of here. But because we're God's children, he always offers us forgiveness, doesn't he? If we will but repent, if we will but turn from our sinful ways, he gives us yet another chance, doesn't he? Now, even though your boss is kind and understanding, if you showed up late for work five days in a row, he might come to you Friday morning and say, you know, I don't think this is working out very well. Maybe you better go and find some other employment. You can't make it here on time. See? But our Lord says, you know, we are his 
children, that really nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that we can do where God just finally says, I've had it, that's it. Did you see what that person did? It's the fifth time. Ah, come on. No, God always says, you know, there's my child. And, and, you know, maybe my child's going astray. I want them to come back again. It's a beautiful picture of the prodigal son, isn't it? And you well remember the, the prodigal son, you know, he, he took his inheritance up front and his dad gave it to him. He, he went out into the world and spent it on frivolous living, you know, wild nights with his friends. And then when he had burned through his whole inheritance and all his friends abandoned him, he didn't have any way to support himself. And there he is feeding pigs. And he doesn't have enough food even for himself. And he finds that he wishes he could eat the slop that he's supposed to feed to the pig. And through that whole time, the scripture tells us every morning his dad got up early and he was standing on the front porch and he's looking toward the horizon and he's hoping, I hope my son comes home today. And our God in heaven, he has the the intuition, he he has the, the knowledge of what we're doing when we've strayed from him. And so you, you can imagine, you know, if the, the prodigal son's father had spies out there and maybe they're coming home every day and they're saying, oh, you what, look what your son did last night. Oh, it was unbelievable. The weekend that he just, oh, the immorality that took place. Come on, give up on him. And God knows all those things. And still he looks at us and he says, there is my loved Son, my loved daughter, they're going astray. Yes, I want them back again. I want them to come home again. See, with a slave, you know, you might get beaten, you might be tortured. You're not doing what's quite right. The servant, by you reach the end, you get fired. I've had it. I'm going to bring in some new employees that do better work. But the son, the daughter, I want them back again. I want them to turn from their sin. I want them to come back home. And that is the love the Father has for us. And the apostle John, though terribly injured at the end of his life, he could still convey that wonderful love, couldn't he? Because people could look at him and and they could say, you know what? If there's someone out there that served God and has a reason to be upset, it could well be the apostle John. Now, if there's someone out there that's gone through this kind of agony and turmoil, 
and is still talking about the great love of Jesus. That's probably someone that I want to listen to, isn't it? Because, yeah, you, you know what? If, if somebody who, who is you know young and, and, and bubbly and full of enthusiasm and just beginning their life, you know, comes to tell you about all the wonderful things that, you know, Jesus has to offer. They're saying, well, you know, you, you came from a, a loving Christian home and, and, and you were raised in, in the church and everybody was always kind to you because your parents had a prominent standing in the community and nothing ever really went wrong. And, you know, you went off to school and all the teachers loved you and you got straight A's and now you're in the, the university and, and, you know, you're here to tell me about the love of Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, you, you, you got it made. And yeah, maybe I appreciate the, the message, but you know what? What does that message have to do with me if I, I'm struggling financially? And I, I could never go to college because I didn't have the opportunities. And I, I had to work at you know several uh, degrading jobs just to make it to this point in my life. And I, I'm suffering from, from sickness and, and cancer and, and infirmities. You know, uh, come on, young person. What does that really have to do with me? I, I appreciate, you know, your, your message. I, I'm glad that you came to visit. But really, you've got it made. So for, for most of us, you know, by the time we, we got to, you know, 50 years old, we really needed someone to come and give us the message who had experienced some hardships, didn't we? You and I, we needed that kind of example of a, a man who had faithfully served the Lord for his entire life, only to be rewarded by the world with severe torture and terrible tormenting injuries that he could be brought in in a stretcher. He could be set in front of the congregation, barely able to speak. He would raise his head and he would say, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the children of of God. And that is what we are. And if you can imagine that scene in your own mind and you can hear those words as if they came from the Apostle John, then they have a greater impact, don't they? You say, wow, John knows where I've been. He knows far more even than the pain I myself have suffered. He understands what it is to, to get up in the morning and say, wow, you know, which hand hurts worse today? Let's test it and see. Oh, today it's the left one. Right. 
He knows so much more what it is to depend on the Lord moment by moment just to be able to summon the strength to say a few words to people longing to hear. Dear friends, we are the children of God. That is what God calls us. That is the reason Jesus Christ died upon the cross for our sins. Not that we could just be bought as slaves and not that we could just kind of be freed and become servants. But Jesus Christ died upon the cross so that you and I could be God's children. And that is what we are. Amen. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.